Compliance is a profession where people work tirelessly to make the world a better place. And there are hundreds of amazing and inspiring women who have helped the field develop into what it is today. Great Women in Compliance is part of the Compliance Podcast Network. So join Mary Shirley and Lisa Fine as they talk with women in compliance who are making a difference. Hi there and welcome to the Great Women in Compliance podcast on the Compliance Podcast Network. This is Mary Shirley and today Lisa Fine and I are going to be having an episode that we are really quite excited about. It's called Gwick Wins. And the reason for that is that it's all about, about celebrating wins that have come, come about as a result of this very podcast. So how did this come to be? Essentially, every now and again, Lisa and I get feedback from someone telling us about the impact that being uh, either on the podcast or listening to it has had on them. And every time we hear this, it fills us with a great deal of joy. And so we wondered, could we multiply this joy and share it with others? And naturally we thought, well, how about an episode celebrating the wins of others? Because Lisa and I truly believe that when one woman has something to celebrate and the rest of us celebrate in it with her, then uh, holistically all of our boats rise. And so that is all about what this episode is about. And uh, in that theme, uh, we'd like to share a special contest with you all um, to celebrate in professional advancement and development. And so Compliance Week has very generously offered a registration for one of our listeners to attend their annual conference in DC in May. All you have to do is head over to our LinkedIn page. For those of you who haven't already joined, it's the Great Woman in Compliance podcast community. And there is a post in there where you can enter our lucky drawer just by simply putting in a comment on your biggest takeaway from listening to the podcast. So we're extremely grateful to Compliance Week for offering one of our listeners this opportunity. It is just the registration. So uh, please bear in mind that uh, travel costs and additional meals outside of the conference are to be borne by the winner. Lisa and I are super excited about that opportunity as well. We'll be speaking at Compliance Week and we're thrilled to be there because it represents an amazing opportunity, not only for advancing uh, your own professional development and knowledge, but also for uh, meet, uh, meeting and networking with other people in the industry. So we look forward to seeing and meeting some of our listeners there. So I think that's about all of an introduction that's required and I will pass on to Lisa to get the ball rolling. So going along with the celebratory theme and what you know, Mary has said so far, um, we wanted to mention we got some lovely feedback about our first episode together. This is really only, I guess, the third time now, uh, Kim, including our kickoff episode that Mary and I have done this together, but we got some lovely feedback about that first episode. And one talked about best professional advice. And that person said, good advice on the best professional advice episode. I can so relate to some of the pointers which would confuse me, and I'll wonder whether my thinking is correct. A lot of things that I would not have followed thanks to my archaic thinking, like having your network before you need it, engaging with the business over drinks or dinner, uh, using so-called correcting language and documents, which are not my own style, but still could be okay. All of those were really helpful to me. Um, I've been at a crossroads as to what's right or the better opinion, and the podcast helped give me some answers. So thank you. Um, I really like that. It kind of summarized some of the key themes to me in that particular podcast and just mm. the, the different thought processes and other things that we go through and just hearing it from other people's voices. And what about you, Mary? 
Yeah, I'm really glad that we provided some clarity to someone who may have been in two minds about what to do next in a certain situation. As we know, a lot of compliance roles are isolated one-man band positions. And so one of the things that we hear a lot is that the podcast gives people an opportunity to feel a little less alone in the job that they do. Yeah. And I wouldn't say it was necessarily archaic thinking. I think no. different ways. So agree. You know, I mean, with that, I think I'll turn it back to you to talk about some of the other um, items. Absolutely. So we received a note to say, recently, I've been thinking about training and how difficult it can be to overcome corporate inertia and resistance to change. When I happened to see your post about your interview with Kirsten Liston, I listened intently as many of her points resonated strongly with my thoughts. Mine too, as it happens. Uh, I contacted Kirsten to learn more about her work and was pleased that she responded that day. We spoke a week later about her personal journey and the formation of her innovative company, the publication of her book and the release of her library. I have now decided to leave my employment and work independently to assist small companies with compliance and privacy policy development and training. I was motivated in part by knowing that there are indeed great women in compliance doing amazing work. And I like the, the theme of, of this one as well, because um, one of the benefits that I've noticed about the podcast is that people have found um, opportunities to connect with um, our speakers. And one of my friends, Victoria Alexander, who I, I met as we were both expats in Singapore, she's not really in compliance, but she has listened to the podcast and in fact, I haven't mentioned this to you before, Lisa, but she contacted Letitia um, because a lot of the uh, charitable grants work that Victoria does um, are in the uh, African region. And so she connected with her and Letitia was very welcoming to have a conversation. And so I love the fact that um, the, the podcast, how we initially thought it was going to be a platform to showcase the achievements of women in the field has also become a platform for connecting our speakers with our listeners and sometimes with us as well. So that that was awesome to read. Yeah, I also think one of the things about our guests um, without fail are really good at responding to people and reaching back out to them. Mm -hmm. We have, you know, taken that, you know, and, and it's some, you know, they don't have to, but it's incredibly you know, it shows, you know, how, you know, committed they are to a community as a whole. Men and women, they've reached out to plenty, you know, through that. Mm -hmm. That part is really terrific. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and with that, I mean, one of them, um, you know, one of the people that inspired someone, and she may not even realize it until she listens now, um, was Gwen Hassan. Um, uh, we got a letter from someone who was an attorney and compliance professional, CCEP certified, and Several times in the past, she could not explain to people how, even though she didn't have the, the designated experience, um, she had the required attitude to thrive. Um, when she heard Gwen's large-scale compliance programs episode, um, she felt like she got the secret weapon. Um, Gwen had explained how she could list examples of specific instances where she had to learn something new and how it turned out. Um, at that time, um, the person sent an email to the hiring official that she interviewed with over a month ago who'd been providing um, status updates on the application and saying that she needed more time to decide. Using the techniques that Gwen talked about, um, she then received a written offer to become a compliance uh, counsel at a multinational corporation. Um, so 
I just thought that was wonderful. She was appreciative of the podcast, but it was really the community that, that did that. Mm -hmm. I also remember hearing from this individual saying what, what episode number was Gwen's episode? And Mm -hmm. I looked it up and I was just really, it was just fascinating to sort of see how, you know, people would go back after the fact and listen to those and how they could impact something like someone, you know, someone's job and opportunities. Yeah, that's absolutely wonderful. And congratulations to our listener who secured her first dedicated compliance position. So the next one we have here is a message that was sent to Mark Stanley. As many of you know, Mark is a former boss of mine um, at Fresenius Medical Care in the Asia Pacific business. And this note reads, Hi Mark, I hope you've been keeping well since we last spoke. I wanted to share with you that I've conducted well over 20 large classroom training sessions this past year. It's a very minor thing, but huge to me because I have finally managed to overcome my stage fright to some degree. I want to thank you for allowing me to overcome this in my own time and not pushing me when I was not quite yet ready. Your understanding meant a lot to me at the time and I'm very grateful. I never thought that I would ever be ready until I listened to the podcast you made with Mary and discovered how you also once didn't like public speaking, but got over the fear with time. Hearing that gave me the courage to just feel the fear and do it anyway. And Lisa, I love this one because I think um, all too often we assume that it's going to be the pictures of perfection and capability and competence that are inspiring and motivating for others. But in fact, just as compelling, if not more, can be when we see someone who is very good at what they do and then learn that, in fact, they too had to start somewhere and weren't always in the picture of perfection that they now seem to be. So uh, vulnerability can be inspiring as well. Yeah, and I mean, I think that with lead, with all leaders as well, there's something to be said when you know that's, that other people are working on what they perceive as their flaws or their concerns or working on communicating that to you. I find it, I feel much more comfortable with somebody who's able to talk about when things are going wrong as mm-hmm. well and to pretend they're going right all the time and being mm-hmm. and, with those concerns. I mean, that's just a personal thing that really, you know, resonates with me. I mean, I'm sure other people have different views on that, but I feel like that's a way that you're able to connect. Um, to be, and then on the flip side that, you know, when I'm able to say, look, I made a mistake or something went wrong to people who may be more, more junior to me or newer in the field or just someone I'm working with, the fact that it's taking responsibility at a time when lots don't, I think it's, you know, really, really helpful. Um, mm. I think it is more relatable and uh, less intimidating when someone shows their more vulnerable side. And one of the interesting parts in following along with that is one of our recent podcasts was with the wonderful Gwen Romack. And one of the things that she put on her on a LinkedIn post and you know, hit me is that she had a, at least uh, four people, three or four people reaching out to her in re- about imposter syndrome and how her podcast helped. And in her podcast, she talked about being a non-attorney and also being a woman at the table. And, you know, I think not only is it entirely relatable, I think with all of the amazing people that are listening to this, how many of us actually do feel like imposters? Mm. Um, I feel like the people most concerned about that usually aren't the imposters, but I do think (laughs) sharing that is humongous, you know, and really helpful. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was thinking along the exact same lines, 
Um, it's estimated that approximately 70% of people, and that includes men, have suffered from an instance of imposter syndrome in their lifetime, which goes to show just how common it is, but it's not always talked about. And so I think when opening up about that in this type of forum made people feel um, a little bit better about what they may have been going through. And I absolutely think you're right as well. It's like if you question whether or not you're crazy, you're probably not crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that is, the, disclaimer, that is a, not a doctor's opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Mary, I'm not an MD. <laughs> not for sure. Uh, but I, mean, yeah, I mean, the other side of it is I think you and I occasionally have that feeling. We didn't talk about that before we talked about today. I mean, sometimes when people say, you know, are excited about the podcast. Or oh that, my gosh, like, yeah. You're kind of like, you, you know, I think to myself, like, this is so great, but this this person I've admired or someone's just told me this incredible story about their career and they're looking, you know, at us, you know, it's, it, you have a moment of that as well. It's incredibly fat, flattering and it's not always false modesty, but it's also like, this is cool. But there is a moment, think of, of the same thing where it's, you know, you think, I mean, I find I think about that sometimes yeah. too. Yeah, I feel it's incredibly surreal sometimes. Yeah. So... Next on, um, I think we, we have, as you can see, uh, Kirsten Liston um, is, is frequently one who's mentioned, so kudos. <laughs> so um, we have a couple of observations by Lisa Beth Lentini and Kirsten Liston, which is that um, both of them had senior male compliance practitioners either share the podcast with women in their networks or ask if they could introduce less experienced women to these great women in compliance. So we see that as being a great micro trend of men using the podcast as a tool to support and take a greater role as mentor and sponsor in the lives of women around them. And one thing I'll say about that quickly um, mm -hmm. as well is, I mean, I think it is so important. And I think for those listening, we, we think that that's been a great thing about the community as a whole. And I would also say that if you do know a man who you think has been tremendously supportive of your career or other women or things like that, we would like, we always love to hear more of those stories because I think that, you know, there wouldn't be great women in compliance without great men in compliance who are out there to support us. We have our own and others. And I just wanted to make sure that as we talk about quick wins, you know, you've mentioned these, you know, different, the micro, mm -hmm. but also, you know, it really is a win to see, some of the men who've been so engaged and supportive. Totally agree. One of our listeners was inspired by the interview with Sarah Haddon. Uh, Sarah, as you may recall, is the editor of Corporate Compliance Insights and owner. Uh, she was finally encouraged, uh, this listener that is, to bite the bullet and submit a piece of writing to Sarah for publication consideration. Not only did she end up getting published, but her essay was Corporate Compliance Insights' most popular piece on social media in 2019. What a stellar outcome. So congratulations uh, to that listener. And additionally, in, within the last week, I just saw another one of our um, listeners get published for the first time in Corporate Compliance Insights. So a really great run there. That's, that is fantastic. Um, mm -hmm. And it's so exciting. The first time something like that is, is really huge. It is. It is. Anyway, it's a big deal. It is. Um, you know, another person, another one of our, our great women who has been around here, and hopefully I won't, you know, mix this up a little bit, um, but is Jackie Cheslow. And one of the things she's always preached is the idea of never closing a door. Um, but, you know, she, she believed in it, but it really has hit her recently again how important that actually is. 
Um, she spent a lot of time getting herself out there through conference participation, podcasts, including this one, um, and publications, and always just being an informal mentor and advisor to people that she meets. I mean, she is just, you know, just so great about being supportive to everybody, um, but she's out there. Um, and then she was contacted about a new role. Um, and she wasn't necessarily looking, I mean, she, but once she talked to the organization, um, she was given an opportunity that she hadn't anticipated, but basically, you know, from being out there, she loved them, you know, they really loved her. And she took a position as a global compliance um, program lead at IEEE. And she is now just doing something that she's learning about and inspired. And, you know, and it really all comes from that, you know, never close a door and keep your networking open. So you know, mm-hmm. get out there and, you know, you make yourself known if, um, and it all, you never know where it'll go. And I think we've seen a marked um, increase. Our participation in the podcast has resulted in um, some really nice exposure for us as the hosts of the show as well. So I'm hoping that uh, if we need it for the next job search, um, that a few more people in the industry will know exactly who we are (laughs) and hopefully (laughs) um, be uh, at least on board with some of our uh, thought leadership to uh, consider us marketable for the next round. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Uh, so next up is Amy Barnard Barn, and Amy had a couple of really nice concrete wins from her episode. And just to refresh your memories, uh, Amy's episode took a particular focus on professional advancement with some key advice for how to negotiate a pay raise. One of Amy's coaching clients, after listening to our episode, finally asked her boss for a change in job title, and she got it. She'd been working up to this, but the podcast gave her the courage to go for it. And note uh, that she was doing the same level of work as several men, but was the only one without a VP title. So um, a shame that she had to work for it, but good on her for asking for what she deserved. And another listener whom Amy has never met reached out on LinkedIn. She followed the compensation guidance that Amy gave during the podcast, asked for and got a raise. Um, so that is a wonderful outcome um, for, for two of our folks who were looking for a little bit of courage and guidance to be able to take the next step towards their professional advancement and both were successful. Yeah, especially when it comes to compensation. Compensation is always a challenge. I mean, Amy talks about it better than I ever could, but she, you know, it really is always you know, when is the right time, how to do that, and also the just the general concerns and, you know, insecurities related to talking about money. So I just think it's fantastic, you know, mm-hmm. that these two individuals, you know, reached out and, you know, congratulations for getting what you deserve. I mean, mm-hmm. it's really important. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think as we have talked about this, I think you and I have gotten many personal benefits from the podcast, but I think mm-hmm. we also have our own things that we think about as, you know, quick wins. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they actually, without what we've learned from the others, we mm-hmm. have gotten to in our own either careers or thought processes or others. So, Mary, what do um, you want to share one of yours? Sure. Um, so, in addition to the the, the positive exposure, um, which I think has been life changing in that respect, and relatedly, has been the opportunity for us to make new friends and new connections as a result, a direct result, I would say, of the podcast. Sarah Haddon is, is one of the first. Um, uh, but 
Additionally, as someone who absolutely dreads breaking off into partners during, you know, learning courses when they make you do that with a stranger, I can't think of anything worse. Or mixing and mingling at networking events where I don't know anyone. Working on the podcast has been a really nice icebreaker to mention, usually because it's somewhat related to work in the event that I'm at. And it's meant that sometimes people approach me to start talking about it and save me from initiating awkward shoot the breeze conversation, which I'm generally terrible at. Americans, you guys are so good at small talk, which is just not my speciality. If I could open every conversation with what is your greatest fear or uh, what keeps you awake at night, I probably would. Um, And additionally, I've been referred to as Mary from the podcast, which is kind of cool, but it's also made interacting in situations where I feel like I'm coming from a place of weakness that is not gregarious and outgoing a whole lot easier to handle. So the podcast, if you will, has given me something to hold on to, to stabilize me. Um, And I wouldn't necessarily say that it's confidence, but just a little ledge to stand on when I'm feeling at my most nervous. What about you, Lisa? Well, first of all, I still find it hard to believe that when you when you talk about your introverted tendencies, because I find I have conversations I've always had with you since I first met you didn't seem like that person. So you've obviously done an excellent job on that for a long time. Thank uh, you. You make it easy. I guess it's my Americanness, but <laughs> it could be. <laughs> we'll roll with it. But one of the things I really want to say is a little bit different because for me. When we started the podcast, um, we, you know, the idea came at the SCCE in 2018. Um, mm-hmm. Around the time, I was starting to look for different professional opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And one of the things that happened over our first set of podcasts was that I was had the opportunity to, to speak with a lot of people either about what this podcast would become, what their experiences were, or actually start the recordings of podcasts. And it really helped me when I was thinking about what do I want in an opportunity? Like what, what is important to me? Um, you know, and it made me think about, you know, I want to be somewhere with a, with a strong compliance culture. It's important mm-hmm. to me to have a good boss who cared about doing the right thing and also a good group of people on, on the team that I could collaborate with. I mean, these are things mm-hmm. that different people talked about. I realized how much, you know, I really did enjoy where I lived in Washington, D.C., when I heard people talking about how they felt about their hometowns. Um, Mm -hmm. And I also realized that, you know, I really wanted something that I cared about, that my heart was in, not just on the ethics and compliance side, but ideally in a company or an organization or what are they working on? Mm -hmm. Um, And what was really interesting is that, you know, through networking and other things, I came into the current role that I um, am in now at Pearson and Pearson works with technology and textbooks and education. And, you know, I come from a family of, you know, lawyers and teachers. So I love books, um, you know, and, you know, and as I met the people, these things I was able to look at and say, these are really the important things to me. You know, other mm-hmm. people's are different. But I learned that in part as I was having the opportunity to talk to people and learn about their careers, what they grew from. And it was a huge win. Um, you know, as I... I'm getting closer to a one-year anniversary at my at, at Pearson, and I was about to say my company, which tells you, you know, kind of how attached I've become. Mm, I feel mm-hmm. really fortunate that I was able to get this perspective um, from the individuals, both in the network and mostly, you know, into the podcast, because I was listening to it and, and truly learning. So to me, you know, that was a very special thing. Mm-hmm. It really looks from from the outside looking in like you found your home at Pearson in terms of the people 
that you've been lucky enough to work with. And I have, of course, through um, our work that we do together and socially had a chance to meet with some of your colleagues. And to me, it's just like the chemistry and the balance is right there. Uh, and it's it's a wonderful fit for you, I think. So uh, also congratulations on your one-year anniversary. Well, it's still, I mean, it's still two months away, but I'm feeling pretty good about <laughs> it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and that's a, you know, I think that different things would work for different people. And I think that the fact that they made effort on that side and other things, I mean, but I do think that I really did learn you know, how to prioritize for myself. And my priorities are, you know, different from others. And I think, you know, what I consider wins may be different than other people's, but getting to listen to our listeners about, I mean, our, both our listeners and our guests mm-hmm. and about that really helps. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, you know, helped me personally. Um, and I think, you know, that was the point that I really wanted to conclude with when I think about, you know, the GWIC wins and what they mean, you know, to me personally, as well as mm-hmm. for the community. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I just want to say thank you so much for to those of you who have let us know um, what the podcast has meant to you and the impact that it's had. It has been a pleasure and a privilege for, for Lisa and I to have a small part in your lives. Yeah, and yeah, I completely agree. And for those of you who listen and, you know, don't feel like reaching out, but, you know, listen mm-hmm. to, you know, and listen to our guests regularly and learning. Thank you to you too. And thank you. That you're all having some quick wins as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, on behalf of, of Mary and I, um, again, in the Compliance Podcast Network, thank you for listening to this special, calling it a, you know, a very special episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope everybody has a great day. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Great Women in Compliance. We hope you'll join us in honoring the great women in the compliance field by subscribing to this podcast and leaving a review.